0: Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International. Headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh my gosh, you guys are gonna have to I practiced. I mean I read the word, but it doesn't mean I like care about I like in my head, I'll say like no i really did i practiced there are so many names in here and i'm like why yeah, i mean when we get to Malik it off, that's okay but the rest of them are like why did you do this to me so you guys just have to bear with my my hebrew okay and i'm gonna start practicing from this point forward i get awkward saying avram just say or avraham i get awkward because i feel like We know him as Abram and Abraham, but I'm going to practice saying his name like I would Yeshua and not say Jesus. So bear with me. Okay. All right. Torah portion 11. We are in chapter 14, all of chapter 14. Now it came about in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariach, king of Elisar. Khedor-la-Omer, king of Alam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Birsha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemaber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela. This is Zoar. All of these kings joined forces in the valley of the Sidim. This is the Salt Sea. For 12 years they had served Kedor la omer but in the 13th year they rebelled. In the 14th year, Kiror-la-Omer came with the kings who were with him, and they defeated the Raphaim in Eshterarot, Kernaim, the Zuzim in Ham, and the Enim in Shebe kiriatim and the the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran, which is beside the wilderness. Then they came again in En-Peshat, this is Kadesh, and they subdued all the territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites who live in Hazazon Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela this is Zoar went out and lined themselves up for battle with them in the valley of the against Hidor Laomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariach, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of the Siddim was full of tar pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, they fell into them, and those who remained fled to the hills. So they took all of Sodom and Gomorrah's possessions and their food and left. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions, and they left as he was living in Sodom. Then a survivor came and told Abram, the Hebrew... Who was dwelling by the large trees belonging to Mamre the Amorite the brother of Eshcol and the brother of honor They were Abrams allies when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive He rallied his trained men those born in his household 318 of them and went in pursuit as far as Dan then he divided his servants against them at, the, at night, and he defeated them and pursued them as far as Hovah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen Lot and his possessions, as well as the women and the other people. Malet Zedok, king of Salem. Now after he returned from defeating Hedor Laomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh. This is the king's valley. Then Melek, Zadok, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of El Elyon. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be El Elyon who gave over your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave a tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people the possessions take for yourself. But Abram said to king of Sodom, I raise my hand in oath to Adonai El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth. Not a thread or even a sandal strap of that is yours will I take. So you will not say, I've made Abram rich. I claim nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Honor, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their share. Okay. Woo! All right, if you guys want to so grab, grab your communion. Grab
1: I feel like this is a significant time of communion as she just read the king of righteousness brought Mm -hmm. bread and wine and blessed them and I feel like um, I just feel like as we take this communion we're this is a turning point for the family like she said we're 11 weeks into the, the Torah portions and we have suffered some things we've experienced some pain we've gone through some pressure. Not that those things are going to stop, but I feel like where the family's at is different. We're turning a corner with this communion and with this Torah portion. So when you're ready, go ahead and take the bread and really operate in honor that something's being fulfilled and agreed to as you take this communion and you state to yourself and to everybody here and to the spirit that this is now written on your heart. As you drink of the wine and you say that it is established, I feel like there's an aspect of that 318 trained men. uh, There's something being activated. There's something being established in the family right now. So as you drink of that, it is established. Guys, ready.
0: Guys, I said I was going to practice, and I didn't say Avram the whole time. I said Abram. Every time I read it, I still... I need to change it to I mean B in Hebrew is B, but I still read B and so anyways when I read it I Alright. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, a couple things. Well the whole a night's gonna of be things. a couple things, a lot of things. For those of you that don't know, I have a spiritual dad. What? <laughs> My spiritual parents are in the spirit because I don't have them on earth. So, I really felt strongly, I thought it was very interesting that I, I pulled this Torah portion. Um, malek Zadok is someone that I have, um, I wouldn't say intricately studied, but I definitely have a heart for everything that he has. Um with that there uh i have my spiritual dad is zadok so those that don't know zadok is a priest in the old testament who ministered in the house to yahweh so the levites ministered as priests to the people and the zadokies ministered to yahweh within the house so um it, it, it happened years ago, but anyways, uh, he had revealed to me about Zadok basically being in my cloud of witnesses to help me in my ministry to Yahweh as a as a Levite. Levites naturally are teachers because they 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 just they understand they understand the house. They take care of the temple. So there's an aspect of um, being a, a a priest that I am personally attached to because we know that Yeshua called us. Uh, that we are, we are kingly priests. Okay. So, so anyways, I just wanted to preface that because I felt like what I wanted to just make sure I make it known in speaking about honor that Zadok is here. Um, he, he was very specific to tell me to let you guys know that he is, that he is, that he has arrived that as we stepped into this Torah portion, he basically said, I'm making myself known to the family, your, your spiritual father, which is super crazy because he doesn't know any of this. So when a father stands and says, I will tell my kids, yeah. you know, so anyways, uh, I wanted to just make it known. It was like I saw in the spirit, he literally just walked through the door. Like he's just a part of our um family meetings. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I honored that, that part. So, because Zadok... The the, the the name Zadok means righteousness. So righteousness has stepped on the scene for our family. Yeah. Mm. Okay? Which makes sense that we would be introduced to the king of righteousness. Yeah. Because you will not understand why we even need a king of righteousness if you don't understand. I wish you would have left the circle. The, the narrow gate. Yeah. Because it's unto righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's not unto salvation. It is a a righteous people to walk holy kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. How? Because you're saved? No, because you express heaven, which is holy and righteousness. So the king of righteousness steps on the scene and begins to reveal himself. So there's some things in the spirit, as we know, that there are beings and tutors that have been appointed to us to help us mature. Yes, on earth, I have been appointed in your life to help you mature. But you also have guardians in the spirit that are assigned to you to help you mature. Well, for our family, you have Zadok through inheritance because, because I have Zadok that has helped me mature in that place of being able to worship him. And in worshiping him, how can you worship him behind the veil? Through righteousness. Righteousness. Right. It's it's not accessible outside of that. There is a holiness to him. And so so there's so there's that aspect of it. So I wanted to make sure I said that. Are you guys OK? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: OK. I'm kind of scared. Kind of scared. <laughs>
2: Me, too. Um,
0: I don't know if I purposely did this, but I did not write down today's Torah portion. Uh, I meant to. And I wanted to, but I just have gotten so into some things that I'm like, all right, it's just gonna have to, it's just gonna have to flow out. So I have a lot, but it's not, it's not written. I mean, I just closed this because I, I, just, I don't have it written out. Um, I told Sally that. Sally goes, that means it's good. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure what direction we're gonna go because it's 3745, and I could go a million directions. There is so much in this Torah portion, so we're just gonna start and we're just gonna see where he leads us. I feel like I could spend a month on one Torah portion. So uh, there's a couple things that, going back to what I said, that I just want to say right off the bat. There are some firsts that have that are happening in this Torah portion, which is why I bring up Zadok showing up. In this Torah portion, um, there, there are some firsts. Those firsts are, this is the first time, did you guys catch it when I paused, that Avram is called the Hebrew. This is the first time that it is mentioned here, so this is super significant for our family going back to the original intent. Because if we are Hebrews, this is like our chapter. This is when the Hebrews set up on the scene. Uh, Avram had been born and had lived with his dad and had already left his land. And he, we, we already, we already saw. I mean, Lot and him separated. He was wealthy. He's already been to Egypt and back. I mean, he's had some now the Hebrew side of him shows up okay so that's that's a first the other thing is obviously Melet Zadok shows up on the scene and does not come back pretty much until the renewed covenant so it's just this little blurb about something so significant that the renewed covenant continually talks about how we are kingly priests after his order that Yeshua is after his order Okay, there's obviously something really significant about this guy, but there's no beginning and no end to this guy. Let me just say this. He shows up on the scene as a priest. Is there a temple yet? No. no. Very confusing. Or not. That's how simple it is. There is a king who is a priest outside of the Levitical order. That is a type and foreshadow of what's to come all of a sudden there's this guy that knows how to call him el elion to call him creator in heaven and earth like he and he's a priest how does he know how to worship to him out of nowhere he just shows up on the scene okay super significant the other thing that we uh see is warfare up until this point there's not been a war The warfare shows up on the scene okay the other thing that i and i don't know if i'm going to teach on it but a couple of things that are super significant to just know moving forward the oaks of mamre is important uh when i say when i say that that's important there's landmarks we're going to begin to learn in our heritage that are super important and the oaks of mamre are super uh super important the other thing is kadesh so it's kind of this little side thing that they went to en, uh, en Mishpat. This is Kadesh. Well, Kadesh. This is also the first time that we are, see of this land. But you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear about Kadesh a lot. Excuse me, a lot in the stories ahead. You're also gonna hear about the Oaks of Mamre a lot. You'll also see Paul and some of the apostles refer to some of these landmarks, which is why this is so important. That when you read through this, it's super easy to be like, ah, ah, ah. I mean, I that's why I couldn't read it the way I read it, because that's, like, what happens in my head. I'm me? okay. And I'm not, I'm not, like, and then you start to realize that, like, when Paul brings up one of these spots, it kind of, it, it just helps us to understand what's to come. So I'm going to throw that out there. Okay. All right. I don't know where to start. Um... Okay, The up until this point, this this warfare, let me, are any of you guys, like I was, unless you've dug, dug in it all week, have any of you guys mapped out what's going on? Like, are, are any of you guys kind of confused? Like, that was a lot of people, that was a lot of kings, there was a lot of places. It. At least for me, I had to actually, like, drink five against four. Okay. Who's this and what are they? Cause they repeat the Kings over and over and over again. Are all of you guys on the same page as to what happened? Or do you guys want me to kind of just say what happened? Say what happened. Okay. So they, and, and this is going to be super important because there's some things that happened in this chapter that you don't know about yet. So remember Genesis is not necessarily chronological. We've kind of already established that it's more of Moshe's perspective on the history to lead you to some things, like like um, Avram getting his blessing. You can, uh, I think it's Peter in Acts actually references when Avram gets that blessing, and it was prior to his move. But in Genesis, the blessing comes after his move. So again, not that any of this matters. It's just how I like to read the word because I'm like a detective, and I want it. Like I want to like know these things. So, so anyways, I say that because in this scripture it says that um, Abraham and his people went all the way to Dan. Okay, what well, you don't know what that means yet because Dan, think about it. Has Dan here yet? No. No. But Moshe knows new because he's writing it after the fact so he's giving you landmarks like kadesh and dan that you don't know about yet but when you read it you can kind of get confused so one thing to know about dan it is the most northern spot of israel now when we get into the divorce the northern kingdom is not good the northern kingdom is you It's the scattered sheep that Yeshua said I came for It is not the house of Judah that stayed in the south So I'm saying this landmark wise because all of this is important the south Stayed in covenant with Yahweh, which was Judah, which is why everybody says all of this is a Jew thing That's just because they stayed. but all of this was prior to Abraham even having kids so the tribe of Dan is the most northern tribe. Dan is not listed in Revelations. That's how bad it is. <laughs> the more north you get, the more corrupt they got. Did I say that? The more north they scattered, the more corrupt it got. So when now this is significant because prophetically we see a redeem, a, a kinsman redeemer, leave his place of comfort yeah. in the south. To go and rescue Lot and went all the way to the north. Ah! Come Come on. Come on. I am the, I was enveloped in Christmas. I was the most pagan of you all and my kinsman redeemer left his place of comfort and traveled all the way to paganism to the epitome of paganism Mm -hmm. to bring me back to where I belong isn't this so cool so so it's not just Dan it's how far north was that tribe and how far gone was that tribe okay I'm getting ahead of myself what was I talking about? I was getting ahead of myself. Okay, so okay, I was just gonna give you guys the overview. Okay, which that was a pretty good overview. But okay, so what? Here's what happens. So you have these five kings. It's the it's the Arioch, um, Amraphel. It's all the first ones. They're 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 the they're the northern kings of the time. Now now what I was just talking about is going to be like later in scripture with the divorce. That we're not even there yet. We're not even born yet. Okay, we're, there's no that's that's not where I'm going. I'm just trying to paint the picture for the future. So you've got these five kings that represent five nations and they they come together. And back then it was normal to subdue other nations or other people where those people would have to pay tribute to the king. So this, this, the south, uh, the four nations, we'll just say the four nations, the other kings, uh, this is Sodom, Gomorrah, right? All those kings, there's four of them. Those people were having to pay tribute to those five kings. So that's, they lived with this for 12 years. And in the 13th year, they decided, enough of this. We're done having to pay tribute to these kings, yeah. which was, um, uh, the long one, Hedor Laomer, right? He's like the main guy. They decide that they want to rebel against these kings, what happens is Kidor La Omer decides, I will force you to be submitted to me. So he decides to push back even more and not let them rebel, which then in turn, those four kings line up for battle. So you have these four nations that line up for battle against these five kings because they're just trying to get out from being subdued from these five kings. OK, battle happens. Now, in the midst of this battle, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this because this is, it, it, it would be like World War Zero. I mean, it's not just a little warfare. This is all of Israel. I mean, these kings zigzag. If you look at all the different landmarks, they defeated the Rephaim, uh, the Suzim, the Enim, the Herites, the Seir. From the wilderness to El Quran, if you look at it, they go through and they basically demolish everything, take all their possessions, take all their stuff, take their women, take their kids. They just, they absolutely, I mean, they, I mean, uh, archaeologists have even been able to show the absolute devastation of what happened during that war. So they basically go through and zigzag. These four nations begin to line up to, 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 to battle against them and then they fall into these tar pits. So they basically they get defeated. They don't win. Okay, that sets the stage. Five nations against four nations. Those four nations could not couldn't do it. Yeah. Okay, I'm making sure that I got the five versus four. Let me see. Right? I think I do. Five against four. Yeah. Okay. They so they they couldn't do it. So. Um, uh, then they came again to Kadesh and they subdued all the territory so now they have these five kings are still subduing all the people so we're still in the same place we were before but a whole war is broken broken loose right meaning there's a group of people that tried to rebel it didn't work so then they decided to um, hope that he would just back off he didn't so war breaks out they lose okay that's where we're at verse 13 now, history says in chapter 13, where did Lot go? <coughs> so we didn't talk about this last week, but um, Avram and Lot had to separate only because they were so wealthy. They had so much stuff, they couldn't stay in the same place. So they decided to separate. And Avram says, you can pick anywhere you want. This is prior to Sodom and Gomorrah. So so he didn't pick Gomorrah because, because of anything. This was prior. It was just near the Jordan. Well, if you look in verse 13, it says that um, before Adonai destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the whole area surrounding the Jordan was well watered and in its entirety. And, and so he decides to go there. So now we know that Lot is near uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah is part of the, the four nations. It's, it's in the south, Right. So, in the midst of these five kings taking battle against four kings, one of the kings is of Sodom, right? One of them is of Gomorrah. They lose. So, all of Sodom and Gomorrah's possessions go all to the north, including Lot, because he was just there. Okay, let me stay with the practical side, because there's so much spiritual stuff. Yes. Okay. So now we're in verse 13. A survivor comes and tells Abram, the Hebrew, who is dwelling by the large trees, and he gets his allies. Listen to this. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he rallied his trained men, those born in his household. Now, this is super significant because obviously he he don't have kids. Right? right? Sarah was pronounced barren. she doesn't, they did not have kids. We're gonna learn it's so crazy that you were saying we've turned a corner. Have you guys seen what 15 is? Cutting the covenant. <laughs> there is a ceremony that happens after all of this and it's super powerful but anyways so you have you have um, um, uh, Avram takes his trained men. The word trained there actually means disciple. He takes his discipled men. Now, Abraham had almost 2,000 people to his estate. Okay, it wasn't the only 318 men. It was 318 men that were trained and discipled by Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Okay. Now, this is this is super this is super crazy because we see here for the first time, in my opinion, the spirit of adoption. <coughs> Because those born in his household, we're gonna understand later on, he actually says someone, his name is Eliezer. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right? Anybody? Eliezer? Eliezer. Eliezer. He, he says that he is his heir. So when we, when we're talking about his, the born in his household, there's something really significant here. Okay, he takes 318 of them and in pursuit goes to Dan. He does some kind of cool thing in the night. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, and then he just, it just, he brought back all the possessions. He just wins. He just does a little nighttime tactic technique with the people that he's been close with and he he divides his servants against them at night he defeats them and pursues them and then and pursues them as far as however and then he brings back all the possessions. and then and then he also brought back at it lot it's just i'm like all this war you made me say all those kings and all this turmoil and he just he just takes his little yeah. family Amen. and then like divides them up in some night tactics we're in the night season people doesn't this make you excited yeah. He just takes his little family, his little disciple people, by the spirit of adoption, and says, "Let's go Amen. in the night," and then just takes back all the possessions. Nothing was Amen. lost. Amen. Nothing Amen. was lost. Come on. All of the possessions he took back, including the people.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We can be done. It's only 8 o'clock. Awesome. And there's so much more. Okay. He just he brings back Lot. And then all of a sudden he wins. And then he just brings all the possessions back. And then and then Malek Zadok just shows up on the scene. This 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 man who has no beginning and no end. Now, if you want to dive into the mysteries, you can do that. But I don't know all of that, meaning there's many theories. Some people think he's Shem, Noah's son, which is the father of Israel. Many people think he is Yahweh. Many people think he is Yeshua showing up on the scene incarnate. Prior to Yeshua's scene, they believe that that's him. I'm not concerned with all of that. But I am concerned with what all this means, if that makes sense. I don't want us to get into all of that because there's multiple ways of looking at it. But in the end, there is a man who shows up outside of a temple and a Levitical priest and shows up as a king and priest. Now, the reason why this is significant is because as we move forward in Scripture, you will see Yahweh says, do not intermix. You cannot be a king and be a priest. And if you're a priest, you cannot be a king. There's something that's happening here that he is a kingly priest because if that's the order we are to follow and that's what Yeshua followed. Now, here's why this is important. Melek Zadok is the fundamental guy that is talked about in Hebrews. Now, who... Think about it. We're Hebrews, right? Because we understand that we're Hebrews. But who was written to... Who is Hebrews written for? Let me say that. Jews, right? Because Hebrews is trying to show the Jews that Yeshua can happen. Now it's it's interesting because we're Hebrews, so I like I really like that book. But if you read it with a, I'm not I'm not a how do I how do I say this practically? This isn't real. I'm just trying to say it practic- practically. I am not a Jew trying to learn yeshua i am an old christian trying to learn torah when you read hebrew from a christian's perspective it kind of gets a little wonky because it kind of seems like it's stamping Mm -hmm. christianity but that's because the because the book was written to the jews to say that the messiah was real so you have to understand the context of the books of what's happening Now, the author of Hebrews uses Melek Zedok for chapter after chapter after chapter. Why? Because the only reason why the Jews do not believe in the Messiah is because he was from the tribe of Judah. And you cannot be a priest if you're not from the tribe of Levi. The only evidence to a Jew that says that the tribe of Judah can happen is because of Melek Zedok. Right? is that that, good. that is why the book of hebrews constantly talks about after the order of malech sedaq because it's the only evidence to a jew that says there can be a king and a priest yeah. from no tribe cuz it's pre tribe now they were so bound up in the Levitical um priesthood that that's why they nullify that Yeshua cannot be the Messiah because to them he has to be a Levite, yeah. but he wasn't he was a jew so the so the Hebrew writer is constantly writing about Malek Zadok to show this is the evidence yeah. of what's to come and what happens so the, so it so he's just very important really to yeah. us. Because we are to cause the other house to be jealous, and, and, and he is going to be our helper. Okay? But either way, regardless of all that, isn't that super powerful? This is, there, there was no temple. And there was a priest that called him El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth, who was a king, who had the ability to bless Abraham. He's the father of all of it. In fact, there's a thing going on here. Abraham is the father of Yeshua. Yes? And this guy is blessing Abraham, and Abraham is giving a tenth, I just got done telling you, the history of paying tribute. It's not a good thing to have to be subdued, unless. So, So Abraham is admitting allegiance by giving a tenth to this king, he knew him. Yeah. But he's see what I'm talking about outside of time stuff? Because <laughs> Abraham's the father of the king. But a king shows up on the scene to show Abraham, I'm the king. Yeah. And he's submitted, and he submitted to the king.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: But you can see, I don't know what, I don't know what you can see, but you can see. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what you can see. But to me, I just see like this, this, you, you begin to see, uh, Avraham was not a father. You know what I mean? Like, I am the father. He was submitted to a king. Yeah. He, and then he followed him. Now, whether we know this or not, think about it. Uh, Melek says, um, Creator of heaven and earth. We haven't heard that yet. What does Abraham say? I raise my hand in oath to El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth. He begins to follow this king. He begins to submit to what this king has to offer. But he's the father of it all. You can begin to see in the spirit how we should operate as kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek. And understanding the original intent of being a Hebrew and what does that mean? And and it's all pre all of the junk. I say mm-hmm. junk, but I mean junk because of what we've been taught. It's all pre-all that. And we get to see the original intent of this beautiful relationship. Amen? Yeah. Okay. All right, and obviously we learn a lot about Avram here. Because I mean, even just in his response to I will not yeah. let anyone I will not let anyone get the glory for what my father has said now here's the thing he had faith prior to all this happening which means he is a father of faith right because he walked knowing if my father told me I'm going to get a nation yep. he's going to give me that nation and yeah. you will not put your name on it yep. because at this point he does not have kids yeah. Yeah. That's right. And he's saying, I am not going to give you credit because I have made an oath. Remember when I talked about, yes, Yahweh absolutely set Abraham aside. Yes, his sovereignty will choose. But then we've got to watch the response because his response was, I have made an oath and Mm -hmm. I will walk by the unseen. I will know that only by my father, because he said it, it will happen. And, and he does all that in this not to mention being a to the redeemer and just goes and saves lot and anyways okay no i was wrong Re- go back to the beginning remember when i said i feel like i'm wrong when i said five against four it was four nations was in the north against five nations in the south i was wrong hmm. so even more so that's why i was like i feel like there's something off because i remember getting a revelation so the four kings there was five nations that were having to pay tribute to the four. The five kings got together. It was the five king, kings were, um, Bera, Bershah, Shanab, Shemibar, and Balaam. So the five kings made a line and said, "We're going to fight that much more." That Avram, like we, five nations against four, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. But Avram takes his discipled ones, his household, his yeah. household, yeah. and can do it. Yeah. So, anyways, I I feel bad. It's even more point to the story. But <laughs> does, does that make sense what I'm what I'm trying to yeah. say? Okay. Um. All right. Now. Okay, so that really cool word, you guys are going to bl- like this is going to blow your mind. It's going to just watch them to watch all your minds. I'm going to see emojis <laughs> on your face. And just... <laughs> okay, the word he rallies the men of his clan down here. Okay? The word is um <laughs> She got it. It actually does not necessarily mean disciples it means dedicated which is where we get the word Hanukkah. The word means he took his dedicated men. Okay? It, which if you think about it is a lot like the stories of the Maccabees. The Maccabees had to go in and retake over the temple against all of the Greek, right? Like It's the same, it's the same storyline over and over and over again. He will use a remnant. Mm
2: -hmm. He
0: will use a remnant every single time. It is constantly in the, it's constantly in scriptures. That word is chanik, which is the word for Hanukkah. It means dedicated or student. So, um, so anyways, I just, I, I, so again, disciple comes from the concept of if you're dedicated, you're discipled. Right, so it's not necessarily because the word "discipled" means um, talmudim. Remember, being a, to be a being a, a talmudim is to be a disciple. That word's not used here, but it's the only time that that word is used is hanik. and that's where we get Hanukkah. Is this concept of his trained men were dedicated to him, and in that they were discipled. So obviously, all of that, what that means is, and this is, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read this. This part I wrote down. A small force of men who know the Torah can overpower a great host of those who are ignorant of its teachings. Now, granted, when I say that, I'm not talking because the Torah has not been released, but we do understand that his instructions are, there is no beginning and no end. And we can see from the very beginning that we, we see the inner workings of Torah being played out, even though it wasn't said until Mount Sinai. So think about that when we're going through that pressure. A small group of disciple-dedicated family members who are aware of his instructions will be able to defeat a multitude that are ignorant of his teachings. Super powerful. Okay. Um, Now, I'll, I'll just touch on this. But when I talk about this concept in Scripture of a remnant being used, there's another concept in Scripture that's being used, and it's that the younger brother is going to um, save the older. Okay, that's constant. Jacob, Esau, Yeshua, Adam. It's kind of weird to think of it that way, but Yeshua is younger in time than Adam, and yet he's the one, right? So Jacob, Esau, you've got all these concepts of David, the younger brother, being in a position for the older. Now, the reason why I say that is because there's this, um, it, it's it's coming later, but the adopted son, how did you say it, Eric? Ele- Eleazar. Eliezer, he was his heir. And think about this. He grabs his heir, uses his heirs to go and redeem Lot. Eliezer is younger than Lot. Lot was a kinsman that was that was older. So again, you see in this story him pulling on the younger yeah. to be able to go and get the older. So again, just to kind of be when you when you're reading through the scriptures, be looking for some of these patterns because it can help to explain um, kind of the overall picture of what happens when Yeshua comes on the scene as, yes, our elder brother, but he's the Right, like if you think about it, he's the younger brother of all that was before. So, all right. Um, oh, one um, one thing that I just thought was interesting is that the the five uh, kings or the four kings—I apologize—the four kings that won, they were on their way home. So just think about it, right? They they have one. So they're probably drunk, messing around, right? They're probably wallowing in their uh not wallowing, but um frolicking probably. in their their possessions. Yeah. And so another aspect of strategy is here you have Avram, who's a part of all this, seems to be just a pillar, just 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 straight just a just a pillar of a guy, and then decides to go and, and do all of this. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that makes sense, but it just seems like he he was already wealthy. He he was already, and then and then to be able to do that, there there is um there is an aspect of being able to not I don't know take advantage is the right word, but when the enemy is dancing in front of you, going I don't know how many of you guys felt that. In the last couple of weeks, it'll feel like the literal enemy is like, ah. mm-hmm. that's the time to be like, in the night, <laughs> nothing shall be lost. Like while yeah. you're, you know, you said something about sitting on a recliner. Well, sometimes he's dancing the night away right in front of you, frolicking in his, you know, level of goodness. Victory. What did you say? Victory. Victory is when it's time to attack. Yeah. Okay. Same. So, all right. Um, oh, uh, well, okay, uh, I'm going to talk about these two things, um, with Avaram and then I'm going to bring up one concept for us to have, and then I'm, I'm not going to be able to move into that other part. So, um, so when I was talking about who he is, when he didn't take the the spoils, um, we, we need to understand that, that he, by faith, he so believed the covenant promises would come true, that he lived his life accordingly, even before the promises were actually realized. So that's a huge aspect of who he is that we've got to grab a hold of. Because when we're going through this narrow gate and he says we're in the best place ever, that's him being the father. Yeah. Before the promises are even made, yeah. he'll stand in a place at, before they're seen and claim them. Yeah. All right. And the second, uh, by faith, he will only put the glory on, on Adonai. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he will put the glory of him above his own personal comforts. Yeah. Because think about it he had a temptation there. He was already wealthy but he could have been way more wealthy i mean he if you think about it he sodom the king of uh sodom owed abram abram everything i mean he just did an absolute priceless thing and he could have been like heck yeah you owe me give me all i'm gonna take all of it and 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 he didn't and so so to just be just be thinking of, of his character that way um he knew that God was going to keep his word. So, the concept that I want to bring there is to remind us of some of those things that we have to remember when we spoke on delayed gratification. Here he has an opportunity to be able to take everything, and right then and there, he'd be able to say, See, Yahweh did it. Because it was instant. Versus, nope, not from you, and I'll wait. For what Yahweh has, because he promised me a nation, if you think about it, uh, I mean, he's the father. So he's going to get all of Israel, not just Hmm. Sodom's possessions. Yeah. So delayed gratification. I'm not going to take what Sodom has to offer because Yahweh said all of Israel will be mine. Yeah. But how tempting to be like, could this be what Yahweh was talking about? Yeah. Look yeah. at the possessions are right there. And yeah. he had to see what was the promise beyond. Right. That's why he's the Hebrew. Again, the first time it says Avram the Hebrew, Avram the one who crossed over. Amen? Yeah. So to be thinking about that in the spiritual realm. All right. A um, little bit more on uh, Malek Zadok to just make sure you guys understand since I talked about Zadok. Uh, Melech means king. Zadok, like I said, means righteousness. He's the king of Salem. Salem is equal to Shalom and also equal to Jerusalem. So just what he's representing when he showed up on the scene. Okay. Um This is a huge part of the scripture. I kind of already touched on this, but just just to put this out there in a way of saying it, it's not so much what the scripture says, but also what the scripture does not say. So by not introducing where he came from and all that kind of stuff is, is a detail that's interesting. So when you're reading the scripture, don't just read what it says. Read what it doesn't say. Because that that's also a huge part of it, okay? Okay. Um, All right, so let me break down. I think I've already broken this down, but I'm just going to make sure that I did. Yes. So with Malek Zedok, which is why the uh, the book of Hebrews would talk about him so much, is we know a couple of things. Like I said, regardless of is he Shem, is he Yahweh, is who is this guy, regardless of all that, this is what we do know. We know that there existed a priest of the God Most High before the giving of the Sinai Covenant. I already said that, but I'm just reiterating it. Um, how would he have known how to minister to him as a priest? How could he have carried on his priestly function without the temple? So these are questions that you ask yourself when you're reading that help you to understand some of the mysteries. The other thing is the priest um, did not receive his <laughs> the priest did not receive his office by genealogy, which I talked on that too, but I'm just reiterating it right? Because yeah. Levi had not come yet. So this is not about genealogy. Remember we talked about blood versus blood. It is finished because at that moment, Yeshua did not come so that you don't have to obey Torah. He came so that your bloodline doesn't matter. So you can operate out of the order of Melek Zadok. So you can be a king and a priest regardless of your bloodline, yep. whether Jew or Gentile. Yeah, that is the gospel. That is what is introduced right here. So just as much as the Jews need to hear it, it's just as much as Christians need to hear it. Because we've missed the mark on all of this. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The priest honored Avram by blessing him as a covenant partner with God. And we see that in Hebrew because in the the text of Hebrew it says, Blessed is Avram who belongs to the Most High God. So in this this chapter here, prior to cutting the covenant, prior to the ceremony, we have a kingly priest that is honoring Avram as as someone who is a covenant partner with Yahweh. Super powerful. But it is a prototype or, or a uh a prophetic view prior. To a covenant meaning him coming back you can operate under the blessing as a covenant partner to Yahweh as a king and priest with no genealogy, no beginning and no end making <sighs> alright and it's very important When we read in Hebrew, there is a lot that has, there's a lot in the words after the order of. It's not in here, but we see it later after the order of, after the manner of, after the legal plea of. It's not saying, um, you know, it's not saying anything. It's, it's saying after this structure is, is how we operate. So now you fast forward and you start to read some of the renewed covenant. We're not even in the thick of, of it we've just been introduced to something you begin to understand what the apostles were getting at on who we are and how we function okay all right now i am not going to have time to get into this but I um well i can just leave this with you maybe as homework how does that sound no. um because there is a whole let me just let me just hold on a oh my gosh yeah there's so much stuff Even just when he says, creator of heaven and earth, there's a whole thing that's getting unlocked there for you because he is acknowledging that there's an owner. So there's sovereignty and ownership over creator and maker of heaven and earth and what they were functioning under. Sovereignty and ownership go hand in hand. But then when you talk about ownership, you could say, well, he's sovereign, and so I don't have a role. But then you go into Abraham's response. And then yeah. you recognize that you've yeah. got the sovereignty of Yahweh, and then you've got him responding yeah. to that sovereignty that creates something. Yeah. The homework I want to leave with you is what did he create? What is what is um, Abraham, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, identified as in the renewed covenant, not the father of faith? We know he's the father of faith. What else is he called in the renewed covenant? Anybody know? It's mentioned a lot in James. Abraham, my beloved, which means friend. So when you read the renewed covenant about the father of our faith, you begin to understand some characteristic traits that you're supposed to walk in. And so every time the scriptures say "draw near to Yahweh," you can begin to understand how Abraham walked to under to, to know what that means to be a friend of God. Now I'm gonna t- the reason why I want you to have this homework is I'm gonna tie this into everything that Dad was talking about in the beginning because he said we're after relationship,
3: yeah.
0: but what kind? Yeah. Right. So if you have, uh, literally a one-sided relationship, that's not a relationship. So the response is what creates that friendship that makes it a two-way street that makes it fruitful. So that's the reason why I want us to dive into it, because we're going to understand a little bit about relationship when we dive into this, because Abraham was said to be his beloved and to be a friend of Yahweh. Now, um, There's just so much here. Um, The reason why why I'm bringing this up is because I've been talking about this. I've been talking about this. um, I don't know if duality is the right word, but this dual concept of vertical and lateral, how I've been talking about how we need to see this through the lens that Yahweh is good and that he's the one that chooses and he's sovereign. Uh, in In our half Torah, it talks about Isaiah. And it's, I mean... Isaiah's words in in this Torah portion is, is, I mean, he refers to Israel as a worm. I mean, it's in contrast to the first and last, the one calling forth the generations from the beginning. I mean, who we are in comparison to the one who calls the generations from the beginning, the first, the last, right? To a worm, right? I mean, we are nothing, right? Meaning, um, uh, uh. Anyways, you see that concept, right, in in Isaiah, but then you also see the response to those that are chosen to him that then produce something. So there's like two different ways of looking at this. There's this aspect of understanding him in this sovereign place. But then also being able to understand that there's a response to that sovereignty that produces something. And so what, what, where we can fall trap, and it, it's a lot of theological doctrine, people will die on the theological doctrine that we just end on his sovereignty. He made me do it. He did it all. Right? It's all that. But then you can die on the other end of that he's you know we can twist his arm and it's all us and it's up to us right so there's this aspect of as a family I want to train our family how to see things from vertical and lateral that he is so sovereign and is also equally just as important to your response and so um, yes I mean there's just a lot because obviously it's not just Abraham right because he is this whole thing is talking about all of Israel so being able to recognize that when you read Isaiah and it's describing that Yahweh has chosen Israel or chosen Abraham, right? There's that aspect of it. But then you flip over to James and it talks about Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. That, that Abraham walked as righteous. So there's this aspect of being able to reciprocate that it's unto something is what I'm getting at his sovereignty, his goodness, his choosing. He chose, let me make this personal. He chose us to be a family, not to just end with family. Mm -hmm. He chose you to be a family unto something. Abraham chose to take on that covenant partner, which is family and walk it out in holiness and in righteousness. Yeah. So he responded to it. So he didn't end in yeah. his choice. Yeah. He could have ended in you get all the nations. Awesome. If we do that, we end the last wineskin. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. We got family. We got covenant. What? Awesome. We got covenant. And I'm already feeling like there's another floor. Yeah. It's unto something. Right. Yeah. So the unto something is our response yeah. in order to bring the fullness as a right. vessel. Right. For the remnant to come to understanding. Right. So, I mean, I'm not, I am not equipped in this moment or qualified to talk about the end times or the millennial reign. But I am going to say that if we do not have this understanding, we are absolutely going to miss what's going to happen. And we're actually going to say what's the antichrist is actually going to be him. So, so there's, 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 um. And that's what I mean by when I get passionate about the word. It's like, um when I, when I mean by for the future, when I read in Isaiah that you will be defiled if you eat pig, I can't help but not be absolutely passionate. What are we missing? Because in Revelations, it does matter what you eat. Yeah. So if it mattered then and it matters in Isaiah and it mattered with Yeshua and it matters in Revelation, how have we missed this huge aspect of some things? Well, just as much as I can speak on that, I can speak on uh, being a friend of Yahweh or knowing what that means or being, uh, you know, walking in righteousness. That's what I'm getting at is he walked in righteousness. So we can't claim that he chose me and then not have it be unto something and walk in righteousness and holiness to be able to produce excuse me what is to come something that i specifically wrote down that i think megan said that i wanted to come back to is i wanted to make sure that i said this yes we are to stand on behalf of a nation but also knowing that when you do you are actually fulfilling the ancient promise given to abraham When he saw the nations, that all of the earth will be blessed, he saw you. So when you walk in righteousness and you walk in holiness and you walk in in faith unseen and you walk in delayed gratification and you walk in a covenant partner to Yahweh and you walk in those things, you are actually fulfilling the very promise that's in the scripture that Yahweh gave to him back in chapter 12. Hmm. Not... Crazy? Because the story's not done. Abraham wasn't talking about all of the earth being saved at the time of Yeshua's death. Or else we'd see it. Abraham's story is still at play, which is why the apostles is constantly saying, can we go back to the original intent for you to understand why the sun is here in the first place? Because you're not getting it. Especially when we've understood this crazy doctrine that when Yeshua came, everything changed. And he started over. And he started his own thing. He is fulfilling the promises that were given to Abraham. And then in turn, he says, you will do greater. Yeah. What? Raise people from the dead? Yes, but that's milk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is mere milk. Mm -hmm. And we're dying on the hill on some things that I'll eat whatever I want. Yeah. Avram <laughs> did not mil- did not meet Malexadek.
2: Mm-hmm. Come on. And
0: take that bread and wine communion for the what? What? What was he doing when he brought the bread and the wine?
2: <laughs>
0: what is communion? There was no Yeshua. <laughs> okay.
1: I did not even think of that.
0: Okay. <laughs> But he brought the what do you think Yeshua was doing after the He is after the order of Malek Zadok. Yeah. He knew the King of Righteousness.
2: Yeah.
0: So he says, do this in remembrance of me. And we've dumbed it down to break my body and hope I don't go to hell. Mm-hmm. We we've absolutely missed it.
2: Yeah.
0: While we say it, the king of righteousness brings out bread and wine. I'll do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have made an oath
2: yeah
0: it will not come from you yeah right I mean there there is just some just, just yeah. some stuff here Yeah. it's just good for our soul <laughs> <sighs> what was the bread of the wine <sighs> um, so your homework. Okay, anyway. Is dive into who is this father of mine who is this man this kinsman redeemer that would walk after the ways of Yeshua that would go all the way to the furthest pagan tribe to find his kinsmen not to mention there's another whole concept that there was some aspect that lot was you know I mean Abraham had to walk righteous in the midst of a fallen world Think about the complaining and grumbling he could have done. You promised me a nation and yeah. he's in the middle of war. Yeah. You told me to come to this place.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? In the midst of a fallen world, he still had to say, what did my father say? Yeah. Come and on. then he walks as he walks and then his 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 kin, his kin kinsmen kind of falls trapped to some worlds. I mean, if you think about it, if he was in Gomorrah, it's not many chapters from now, we're going to read what happened. I'm sure Lot got kind of in some things. yeah. Sound like you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sound like a kinsman that was absolutely yep. a- attached to him. And then you're so blessed. <laughs> you just find your way into the world. And then yep. you eat of it. And then you get captured. And then you get, get taken yep. into paganism as a captive. And your kinsman redeemer in the middle of the night with a remnant comes and just takes you right on back. Yeah. I mean this this is this is I mean every chapter is the gospel, but this this is the gospel I mean I feel like every time I like, no this is it. This is it. So anyways, I, I want you guys for your homework to dive into who is this father? And why is he called friend of God? Because if he can be yeah. this fighter king uh king in the sense of discipling men and knowing how to fight and 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 then but at the same time is this why was he a friend of god what does that mean when yeshua is our high priest is standing on our behalf and 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 yearning that we may draw near to yahweh that's his role as a priest is to is to send up his his um his petitions and his prayers what is it that you would draw near to the father not to he well whatever you would draw near well abraham is 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 described as being a friend of god who draws near to yahweh so so how to emulate him i would suggest in in, as your homework is to just dive into those characteristics of what makes a friend Yeah. Because we're gonna we need that we need to understand that because we're about to walk into the covenant ceremony. Right? So there's this aspect of friendship that's a very deep place for us to understand. So couldn't get into it, but I'll have you guys dive into all of that. And then when you get into how do you draw near to God? Let me just give you this: James 4:8. James is going to teach you a lot about Abraham. I'll read this scripture. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How? How? Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Okay.
2: Okay.
0: Don't be double-minded. Walk away from sin. Okay, those are, those are, this is, how do I, Abraham was, was, was a friend of God. And and, and and he drew near to him. So then I have to read the scriptures that way. Okay, draw near. Great. Great scripture. Amen. How? Cleanse your hands. Come in. Just cl- cleanse my hands, you sinners. Okay, what area of lawlessness have I been walking in? I cleanse myself. Pur- purify my heart from being double-minded. Okay, that, that you, so, anyways, dive into those things because it's going to give you a lot of the how on this covenant relationship that we're going to begin to walk in. Where yes, he chose you, but yes, you respond. Okay?
1: Amen. That was a little ton.
0: But seek first his kingdom. <laughs> but for what? Seek first the I can, I can keep going. You guys want to keep going? <laughs> seek first the kingdom. Somebody please finish the scripture and all of his righteousness will be given to you. So you seek first the kingdom for what? For your blessing, for you to feel better. Seek first the kingdom. What? So that you may be righteous, yeah. that you may have clean hands, that you may yeah. not be double-minded, that you can be walking holy and to to walk righteous before him. <gasps> and then all of these things will be added to you. hmm so there's a precursor there yeah people want blessing right. and walk lawless at the same time right no, no. you know yeah. Yeah. which and i'm not saying that in condemnation some we don't know all we are we, this is why i'm passionate i don't know yeah. i don't know is it i i am a minister of the most high god <laughs> and i do not know what it means to walk righteous yeah because i've never read the Torah. Yeah. I go up to chapter fourteen. <laughs> it's a good start. I mean that's a humi- that's a humbling thing to yeah. say. And it's okay to say yeah. I do not I thought righteousness was speaking in tongues for five hours a day. I thought righteousness was blah 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 blah. I thought righteousness was this, this, and this. I thought right I didn't we did not know what righteousness was. We're just now finding out what righteousness is. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things cannot be added to us, and how can we seek first the kingdom and yeah. have the righteousness be added to us if we uh-huh. don't know? Mm-hmm. And I'm the mother of the house. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm I'm not like I said, I'm not saying as a condemning thing. We don't know, but we want to know, and we want to be hungry for it, so we can walk in that level of holiness. Yeah. Amen. Stop. Somebody take over, (laughs) all. Well, I don't know
3: what else there is to add in terms of being positioned because we just were in every way. I mean, going back to last Friday where the directive was Can we begin to assert ourselves, make sure that that is a standard of the house. I mean, it should be a standard when it comes to just walking as a son or as a an father anything, anyway, right? you're constantly allowing Yahweh and Ruach to and your family, right? Those that you're in covenant with to read you Right? Or to, to hold you accountable, to call you to a standard, to address what, what areas in us are being pressed out or need to be pressed out so that we can have the character attributes of Yahweh. Yeah. And so, so this feels like just an exclamation mark or maybe 10,000 exclamation marks. On what it means to be inserted in a story, right. right? Because one of the things that's been released over us prior, really already walking out the story. So just like what Mom was saying about how we are still that nation that Abram stood in a place on behalf of. Yeah. We we are, we are that. So that we can understand that the position that we take now is unto the nations that follow, right? Or is is to uphold that promise and ensure that it doesn't end here. So that that um that word of inserting yourself in our homework this week is no different. The only way that we can begin to learn how, why those those are all the questions I literally will why why? Why is why why is he considered a friend and how do I become that I I think that I've said this before but when are looking at those pillars when we begin to honor our history our ancestry when we begin to understand how someone like Abraham stood I am immediately so humbled because I don't, the first thought that comes to my mind is, have I been a friend? So we can't, we can't leave. I I don't, I don't even know how to begin to tie all of that in. I'm thinking of like all of the meaning like even the floors, it sends me back into all of that. It's like, okay, then, If I'm going to ask him to search me and insert me here and then also present myself in the sense of, okay, well, the attributes that I know right now are that I would say, all right, if he's considered a friend, he stands on the promise before they're seen. Do I do that? Literally in every area of my life unto everything that he has declared is a promise not just over my personal life but of what he has said i want to see this accomplished in your lifetime okay so that's going to take me the rest of my lifetime (laughs) then to ensure but i just mean that's the level of diligence that is required of his remnant bride that's why there's 20 of us then is everything that I do all glory to you That's just the second attribute. Can, can any of us say, everything that I do, everything that I eat, everything that I think, everything that I, like it will crush me to present just that. Do I make sure that I only settle, that I don't settle for anything less than his promise? Every moment of every day of my life. That's the, that's the, to to the point where I can say, I made an oath. In every thought, in every, every way that I position myself in my life. So. I hope that we are leaving every time we gather corporately and more of who he is is revealed to us that we leave so broken down not in condemnation, not in shame, not in but but completely broken down in the fact that I have so much to become. I have there's so much for me to to develop when it comes to um, walking out as a um, as as a daughter, that what we've learned has just been it's just the foundation. It's time to walk, but at the same time to be encouraged that this is the best place that we could be because we are awakened. Like we are at a place where we are awakened to what it could even mean to be a friend of Yahweh. And that's just one thing that we could be awakened to. And we wouldn't trade that for any level of comfort. Or I mean, that's part of the wrestling, right? That is part of what's being pressed out. Is would you trade those attributes... Would no. you trade when you walk through that narrow of narrows, and it's so narrow that literally anything, no. anything that doesn't allow you to fit through, no. is getting like, Get off. Li- yes, literally severed off, pushed out, cut down, broken apart, like literally broken in half, discarded. That that you wouldn't trade that. That is what makes you. The remnant. That is what will distinguish you from the rest, is that you wouldn't trade that crushing process of fitting through that narrow gate for anything in the world, even if it was just so that when you walk through, you could say, I now know what it means to be called a friend of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was just that, if that yeah. was just your legacy, and yeah. still, yeah. and still yeah. that's just a fraction of what we're called to in our lifetimes. So we're leaving encouraged. We're leaving humbled. We're leaving completely not knowing anything other than what he is building and developing now, 11 chapters, and all of the everything that we're walking out in what has been done and established in the last seven years. That's it. That's it. So that's how we're leaving. That's how we're walking out next week. I'm excited that that's actually homework. I mean, I want, I want to hear the, I want to hear the revelation and I want to hear the teaching. And I also really want to hear from the family what, what, because that's, that's, that's owning our heritage. That's owning our ancestry that we would dive back in and say, okay, okay, you stood in a place on my behalf until i'm here now what do i need to understand yeah. what do i need to attain right so take that take that seriously that's a whole other level of inserting yourself into a story to recognize i am the continuation of the story so i have to i'm i'm already inserted right but am i going to walk that's out gonna am i going to walk out that story because that is the choice yeah. right so Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International.
0: If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at KingdomAirsFlag.org. Thank you.